Hey there, hi there, ho there. Welcome once again to another thrilling episode of Disney Compendium, Volume 26. I am yes. your host. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had to I had to look in my corner of my screen here and like, yep, yeah, 26. That's it. <laughs> uh, as usual, I am your host, JJ. And over there, uh, speaking in the crazy falsetto just a second ago, it's my good friend Nick. Nick, how you doing? Pretty good, JJ. Glad to okay. Yeah. So yeah, we we made it to episode twenty six. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, Sherlock, and you know, I, I think like the hiatus kind of usually it hurts it, but uh, yeah. I told I told you we were watching the Will Ferrell Sherlock. Oh, <laughs> this came out. <laughs> uh, I know you did, and I, I still didn't do it. <laughs> or we watched The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, that I did watch. Or, uh, or if you're anywhere else but North America, it's uh, Basil, The Great Mouse Detective. It's the actual title of this movie, but there's a story behind that that we'll get to later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Great Mouse Detective, an adaption of the uh, a book series of the same name. Or, well, Basil of Baker Street, not the same name, but same character names. Uh, it's July, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes. He lives in. He lives below Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> you know, so, um, uh, July second, nineteen eighty-six, is when this one came out. So a year after the. Absolute devastating failure. <laughs> that was the Black Cauldron. So uh, everything was resting on this movie's shoulders. If this movie was a success, we uh, we would uh, keep chugging forward. If this movie was a failure, probably not have a Disney cartoon again for potentially ever, but probably not. I probably. <laughs> Probably several years and its head. Disney would have been a, become a Viacom uh, subsidiary. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the one thing that everyone was uh, very happy about with uh, Michael Eisner is that he was able to fend off a Viacom acquisition <laughs> at one point. So, yeah. So yeah. Um, um, so yeah. Good movie. This is a uh, this is a very good movie. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean it's Sherlock Holmes. I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. I mean, it's <laughs> Sherlock Holmes's the... dog is a main character in this movie. <laughs> Toby, yeah, and I mean he's he's got the deer stalker. He plays the violin. He has a cocaine yeah. problem. It's all there, friends. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, this is, as I, I texted Nick last night, and I said, this is probably the most uh, movie that most accurately uh, depict Sherlock Holmes's crippling cocaine addiction than any other adaption of this franchise ever, because he never stops moving. <laughs> the, only, the only time he stops moving is when he's crashing hard and becoming totally depressed. <laughs> so, or, or he's physically tied to a mouse trap. Yeah, and even then, he's so defeated that he's just so depressed that he's come down so hard that <laughs> but yeah so uh i guess we could just start off with uh 
where plot wise what this movie is going for um uh, yeah we, we we meet the uh the toy maker who is voiced by alan young who we all know is, is not scrooge trying to Mc... do another voice <laughs> not, yeah is scrooge mcduck that was literally the only reason he was cast in this role because he had a really good because his default voice is scottish and they, they wanted a scottish voice for that character so here we go well i mean uh, ducktales is probably about to go to production anyway wasn't it at this time uh 86 yeah getting yeah. there i mean he had already been in uh christmas carol so, yeah so so yeah he's already established studio so this is like one of his first like this is like one of his first major major roles for the company so he would go on to make a career of doing no other voice for 30 years other than Scrooge McDuck, this movie included. Uh, if you, if somebody was just watching this and you heard the character in the other room, you would say, like, oh, they're watching DuckTales? Yeah, they're watching DuckTales? <laughs> yeah. Because he doesn't, he doesn't change it in any way, shape, or form. The, I mean, if... The, the, you, you almost watch this movie and it's like, when's he going to talk about his lucky dime? When's he going to say, bless my bagpipes? Yeah. Yeah. Where's Gizmo Duck? <laughs> Where's Gizmo? Blatherin, Blatiskite. Yeah. Uh, I technically, Gizmo Duck's kind of in this thing in a way. In, in a roundabout kind of way, yes. <laughs> That's much later in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so he's like a toy maker who can make toys that clearly defy any and all physics. That that flower doll thing that he presents to Olivia, mm-hmm. it, like there's no way that can exist in any sort of reality. Yeah. <laughs> it like, like, it like gently flows open and folds out into a doll that can dance and then fold back up. And it's just like, you're a sorcerer. It's yeah. what you are. You belong in last week's movie. <laughs> and, and you wonder why a, a madman would kidnap you and use you for nefarious means when you're like, I'm just gonna make some toys. What's his? I forget it. I, I know. I know it's. I know it's Flaversham, but I always forget his first name because it's like. I it's like. Know. It's like Hiram. Hiram. Maybe. Hiram. Well, she just, Hiram, but, Hiram Flaversham. I think. I think so, but she keeps calling him Papa. So I, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the problem. Is that they say the name once or twice, and then it's Papa for the rest of the movie because Olivia. So a a peg legged bat with a crippled wing. <laughs> Uh, breaks into the workshop and kidnaps him. <laughs> yeah, and you think like, is he going to murder this old man in front of it's, his child? Yeah, it's it's the, it's the way it's framed. It looks like it's, it looks like a murder is occurring. So, uh, so Olivia is now looking for the great mouse detective. <laughs> uh, knows he has to go to uh, Baker Street to get. Uh, um, Basil. So, and, and when they get to Baker Street, you just hear. <laughs> Good job. You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she uh, she gets lost. It's very sad. But then we're then we're introduced to Watson. No, it's not Watson. It's Dawson. But. <laughs> That's well, it, who this character is. <laughs> he's pretty much he's basically Watson. Yeah, even even in the books, it is like 
this character is based off of Sherlock Holmes and this character is based off of Watson. Like, you know, except like, you know, Watson was like, like a biographer for Sherlock. That was also just sort of like his helping hand or what, you know what I mean? Like, but um, uh, yeah, he's, he, he's coming back from the war. <laughs> Even though he looks, he's clearly 60. Yeah, and also what war? Yeah, this, see, this movie posits an insane reality where, um, in our in our timeline that we have that involves the uh, the Robin Hood timeline that we call it. Uh, I don't know where this one falls because humans humans and animals are both cognizant and like you know what I mean, but um, they both but. They, they live separate worlds. Like, yet somehow the mice have a monarchy. <laughs> yes, they have a monarchy. And, uh, like, and mice with, like, skills to invent. Yeah, like, they, yeah, it's the... But, like, history seems to fall within, like, the... Because their queen lives in the same, you know... It lives at Buckingham Palace with the human queen. And yeah. It just so happens that it's a queen as well. <laughs> I, you start, you start piece, and, and he, I mean, he, li- you know, Basil lives right underneath Sherlock Holmes's house. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's like, is this is before the fall, JD? This is right before the fall. They're they're learning uh, how humans live, and they're yes. taking on their. Like he wasn't, he's not really a detective. He's just like a parrot mimicking being a detective. And it's, and look what's happened. He's become a real detective out of it. Skynet <laughs> has become self-aware. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Dawson is, is returning from uh, the war. He, he, he's been in Afghanistan. Like that's literally his backstory. <laughs> yeah. And not like, Zero Dark Thirty Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. like so. Like this is you know eighteen ninety seven. So you know back from he's a he was a war surgeon returning back to uh, jolly old England. <laughs> Much like John Watson was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like somehow they have they're living these weird parallel lives. Like a rift has happened somewhere, and they're just living copacetically. <laughs> With the same like, lives, only mice. There's only there's only mice parallels. Yeah, somehow only mice. Um, which which begs the question: Does this take place in the Rescuers universe? I mean, they live in a universe where they have their UN meetings at the UN <laughs> underground. I mean, I, I guess so because, but <laughs> this is like what probably because 1897. This would be 1897. So it's, this is like a good. Yeah. So this is a prequel. Almost to the 80 years. 80 yeah, years for rescuers. It's a prequel to the rescuers. <laughs> so yeah. it, it is it's right before the fall, but not like right, right before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it it is setting the groundwork for humans to be completely wiped out by within a hundred years. So <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh yeah, so um what's Dawson's like what is he just he's just a drifter now like <laughs> he seems to get sidetracked instantly you never have any idea what like his real 
plan is coming back home. So I, yeah, he he never like really goes. I you know I have planned to do this thing after you help me. Like no. Yeah, like well, no. I was trying to get back to my wife and kids. I'm an old man who <laughs> has a family, but nope. Just all right. Well, this is oh, I found a little girl. I gotta help her, and then uh, a whirlwind of adventure happens. Yes. Um. So. When they get to uh, Basil's house or whatever, technically Sherlock's house <laughs> um, or apartment, I guess. <laughs> Basil's hole. Basil's hole. Um, they, uh, he's not there. <laughs> I absolutely love the scene where you're introduced to Basil, where he he, a madman breaks into the house wielding a gun, waving a gun around. It's some weird kabuki looking. Yeah, some sort of like super offensive Asian uh yeah. <laughs> costume. And then and then you you uh John Woo Mission Impossible 2 style like mask off. <laughs> he throws his sunglasses off the cliff and they explode. <laughs> it's revealed that oh, this is this crazy man is uh is Basil in disguise. So um, Basil in disguise. Uh, so he is sort of. It's unclear if he's even paying attention to the fact that these people are there because he is on a coked up rampage because he has a bullet that he needs to investigate. <laughs> he needs to fire it to a pillow immediately. <laughs> So you get it, he fires it through the pillow, he gets the bullet, and he puts it under the microscope, and he's lining up the uh, striations to prove that the bullet from a, another case is the same bullet from this gun, and then it mostly syncs up until the very last spot, and then there's no uh, marks, so... He goes, like, look at the striations! <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so now he just gets immediately thrown into a depression because he didn't solve the case. <laughs> and then uh, Dawson mentions uh, Olivia's uh, problem. Yeah. Describes Fidget, yep. who's the scary-ass bat. And then he's back up again, like, excited. Like, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Basil's manic, JJ. Yes, he's made, yes. Um, so... We, we basically find out at this point that the reason why uh, Fidget is the henchman for Radigan, which is a character we haven't met yet, but we're about to, uh, uh, that he's been kidnapped to create uh, a clockwork robot. Um, to pose as the queen. To pose as the queen. It's a very elaborate plan um, that will only work on idiots. Good news, though. Mice are idiots, I guess. Mice are idiots. Yeah, well, so... Before this, we we get a, a battle's explaining like his, you know, he's like, oh, I've been chasing Radigan forever, and it pans over to this really nice oil painting of Radigan on, on Basil's wall. Yeah, like, like, why do you have that? Why is it in a frame? Does Sherlock, does Sherlock Holmes have a a, a, a framed portrait of, of Moriarty? Moriarty hanging above his fireplace? Probably not. I but, don't think but, he does. But also. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, <laughs> so like, it, it'd be, so, it, yeah. <laughs> but he has like a nice oval frame. Like, oh, radicate. Yeah, he 
it'd be one thing if it was just like you know like like you you pasted a picture of them to the wall so you would so like you're, so you have like strings and darts sticking out of his face yeah or you you put it up in your <laughs> mirror and you crumple it before you go trading yeah so yeah exactly but no, it's like he he picked that frame out. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's gonna be a nice frame for my arch nemesis. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. Another time, get... another place, they would have been together. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I want to have an arch nemesis. Like, man, I hate this guy. I need to I need to head to Michael's and get to make sure <laughs> <laughs> a nice gilded frame. Nice gilded frame. <laughs> To contain my hatred, but I want to look nice. Like, like he's get he like you could, he's getting the exacto knife out so he can round off the edges so it fit in the frame perfectly. Muttering himself, freaking hate this guy. <laughs> hate oh, this guy so <laughs> that he hate finally him so much. Oh, I wrinkled yeah. it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. So uh, <clears throat> boy. What a weird plot. <laughs> yep. Make a robot. Make a toy of the queen so he can rule the the, the British British mice. Like it's not yeah. like it says supreme ruler of all mousedom, but like no. Just these mice. <laughs> Just England. Just England. Like Australia's got their own problems. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know. which will be solved by the rescuers. Yeah, and you know, uh, uh, and Fivel is doing his own thing. So it's not Disney, but it's it's real. It's all related. It's, it's mice. <laughs> Cartoon mice are all the same. Yeah, they're all they're all they all look the same. <laughs> I don't see mice color. They're all the same. Uh, um, do we meet Radigan? Yeah, we finally meet Radigan, who is a rat it's, who is very offended by being called a rat. He. Yeah murders a mouse, a, a drunk mouse henchman that calls him a rat in his drunkenness. He murders him by sicking his cat on them. Yes, he has a little bell. He rings the little bell, and here comes the mouse, and then the mouse, or the cat then eats the mouse. So, yeah. Uh, Brad again, voiced by Vincent Price. Vincent Price, just Which, absolutely killing it in this role. The 13 Gerska Scooby-Doo. It is. He is the best character in this movie. He is hamming it up. He sings two songs in this movie. He sings, <laughs> b- before he kills his henchman, he, he sings a song and encourages his henchman to sing. Yeah. Uh, and then we, towards the end, he records his a record that plays that will, is designed to kill yes. it's crazy this character is so good it's so, it's probably one of disney's most entertaining villains period uh jj did you uh did one of uh, uh radigan's henchmen look familiar to you no nick why uh bill oh really from alice in wonderland <laughs> Take a look at one of his henchmen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking. It's Bill. Yep. It absolutely is. Wow. Yeah. So right. Bill, after getting shot out of the chimney, um, uh, Vincent Price uh, said because they wanted him for it, so they had him um, 
try out for the role. <laughs> and he said, uh, if it was anyone other than Disney asking me to audition for a role, I would have been offended. <laughs> so <laughs> his exact words. So because <laughs> it's absurd to have Vincent Price audition for like, you know how Vincent Price sounds. <laughs> You know, you know Vincent Price. You know what you're getting with Vincent Price. Vincent but, Price uh, is, is a ham, and you know, yeah. So. Yeah. No, so yeah, that uh, they, they nailed it with Radigan. Yeah. They absolutely killed it here. Radigan um, is pretty, I mean, he's a rat, granted, but I there's things in this cartoon that make me think if they drew inspiration later on for Rescue Rangers. Because <laughs> Radigan is vaguely fat cat Yes, and there's even a there's even like the dirigible later on. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the yeah. Um uh the the build of Radigan was actually inspired by Ron Miller, the uh, okay. then CEO of Disney. Um when they started developing this pre Eisner. Ron Miller would have been Walt's son in law. <clears throat> after Walt died, Ron Miller took over, and then after Ron Miller was outed, Eisner took over. But like, because Ron Miller was like six foot five, you know, big bulky former football player kind of guy, so he was thick and tall yes. and intimidating. So they kind of inspired his like it was like originally a wafy character, like a spindly, like Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead, they eventually changed it because he's more intimidating. When and he's a rat. I mean, it makes sense to make him physically so much different. He he sort of reverts back into more rat-like skinnier during the final confrontation. <laughs> when he, with his clothes shred. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Radigan is what the kids call it. An absolute unit. Yes. <laughs> he, he is. Uh, he is a thick lad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Radigan. And he is all about the theatrics of being a villain. It's great. He's Yeah. So, so they head to the toy shop to look for clues. Look for clues. And so and there's really, I mean, the toy shop is just a nice little, uh, uh, like, side trip. Like, not a whole lot happens at the toy shop other than they get the clues because Fidget just recently was stealing the uniforms off the, the dolls and stuff to look like get- the Royal Guards. Uh <laughs> Well, we, 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 so we get this we get introduced to Toby here. Oh yeah, yeah, Sherlock Holmes's dog Toby. Um, I like Toby. It's a good design. It's just a nice design. It, as soon as know, Toby shows up, you're like, "Up, oh, we found the cat's uh, downfall." Yeah. I, I love the part where no, nah, the cat's downfall is something yeah. completely different. Yes, out of left field, and it made me laugh out loud. <laughs> And pretty, like, you're like, oh, oh, dang, that cat's dead. <laughs> yeah, that cat is super dead and super... You know, you know, you're going to need dental records for this cat. It's You know how, like, we're, like, it's Cinderella, Lucifer dies. She's like, oh, yeah, that cat, he's dead. That's crazy. And you're like, oh, this cat's even more dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Olivia gets kidnapped here, though. Lydia, Olivia does get kidnapped, um, which... <laughs> uh, dovetails into them trying to find her by going to the uh, I, I, the 
sailor's bar? What is this? <laughs> I, the it's like a speakeasy almost. Speakeasy, but like 1897 London. It's where all the criminals go to yeah. to heckle the performers, unless it's a pretty lady. <laughs> yes, um, that octopus was doing a great job. Yeah, I mean Dawson was loving it. He was. <laughs> He was into the <laughs> Dawson dressed like Smee, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's in um, Basil dressed as just every, every generic sailor man. Just the yeah. same. He's in a, a, a blue coat with a pencil thin mustache. She's got the pea coat and the, and the yeah. turtleneck. Yeah. And the hat. Yeah. Pretty, he pretty much looks like. Uh, 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 Nemo from uh, yeah. Point Down the Leagues. He's got that yeah. look going on. And, and that that makes sense from a standpoint. Yeah. That was a big movie for Disney still. Yeah. So, um, uh, but yeah, they, so, yeah, they're at that, uh, the, oh, it's the Rat Trap. That's the name of the bar. Yeah. Whatever, tavern, speakeasy, whatever it is. The Rat Trap. Good name. Uh, yeah. I, I, is it, I guess is it, it's implied that Radigan runs it, <laughs> or is or he's just got connections. Connections, but like it's called the Rat Trap, and they know who. And when they're, you know, asking around, they're willing to. I, I, I was gonna say murder them, but not really, because they they drugged it and it just turned dawson into an idiot like a drunk idiot yeah. with this yeah, double they, drunk. they roofed him basically yeah they roofed him. Uh, um, but yeah I, I guess like uh and then we, we get another another number and you're like uh is is this is this mouse gonna strip on stage and yeah, yep it, it's a yeah, burlesque mouse it's a burlesque mouse yeah yeah uh not, not, not anything particularly graphic, but uh, no. you know what's going on as the adult, yeah, as the adult in the room. You'll know it's like, oh, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is what we're I'm doing, tired. huh? Tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Con. Yeah. It's the, you, you've got, uh, yeah, blazing saddles is about to happen here. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so, but then they, um, they, they see um, fidget in the, in the tavern. So then they go off to. Uh, track him. They're gonna follow him. Uh, and a trap. It, it does not. It goes pretty well. They see a bottle with yeah. Olivia in it. Uh, turns out it was Fidget dressed as Olivia, and it was a big trap. Yeah. Well, how, I mean, yeah. They, they knew. I, they knew Basil was coming because Fidget mistakenly left the henchman checklist at the toy store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the stuff that he's supposed to collect. So, so, uh, I loved Radigan's theatrics for this whole thing, where it's like, treats it like a surprise party with confetti and streamers and a banner. <laughs> he just, he's just roasting Basil the whole time. The whole time, just nonstop, just digging into him. Like, <laughs> You're my greatest arch enemy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just can't like can't keep a straight face. And just absolutely tears into him to the point where he or rat where um, Basil just kind of gives up. <laughs> you just watch his ego shatter in front of you. Yeah. So yeah. So he captures him, and 
<laughs> locks him into a mousetrap with, uh, I, I, there's so many great ways to kill you. I couldn't decide. So I chose all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have this Rube Goldberg machine of just murder. Basically. Like that, you that, have revol- <laughs> that revolves wholly behind <laughs> a, a, a record that he had pressed of him singing a song. <laughs> Which, which is a power move. That is a power move. Yeah. Because I, you don't just like you don't just get that record press. Like he's been planning that record. <laughs> I mean, Bond villains—they'll throw Bond to a trap and leave the room, and yeah. yeah, it'll be elaborate. But they don't like record it up. They don't drop a drop a joint. Yeah. <laughs> before they do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Here's my mixtape. Yeah. Yeah. Spirits so, yeah. and that like, okay, Mr. Bond, before you go. Yeah, so here's my sound uh, And absolutely the uh so see so they're they're locked into a mouse trap. Right. When the when the record arm gets to the end, it's gonna set off the whole trap. The ball which bearing involves, balls. Which involves the ball bearing goes down goes down one of those little wire things. And, uh, I forget exactly the layout of the room Goldberg. I just remember it it was supposed to like Activate the trap, activate like a uh, crossbow, a gun, uh, an, uh, an, an axe, and an axe anvil. Axe and an anvil. Yeah. Um, and also, he had a camera rigged up so he can catch the moment. Yeah. So, so when it all happened, the camera at the end of the whole thing, the camera would go off so he would get their corpses. I, well, technically not because it would be underneath an anvil, so it would just be. <laughs> An anvil resting on the ground is what you're getting a picture of. Yeah, like he thought out everything else to, to excruciating detail, but yeah. eh. But um, so Olivia is in the bottle still, and uh, Basil is just absolutely depressed, <laughs> given up, and Dawson is tr- just. Trying to figure out because he, uh, Radigan mentioned it's like, well, we've got to go to, uh, uh, Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace, exactly. Uh, so he's trying to figure out on his deathbed, like, what could he mean by that? <laughs> That's when they figure out exactly, like, oh, he's trying to topple the, the monarchy here. Um, it's like, what was the exact word phrasing of it? Like, why don't we just finish it now? Or like, you know, <laughs> why don't we just set up the trap now? Yeah. Because the, because tr- the record was skipping at yeah. one point. So it bought them time technically, but then Dawson got angry and yelled and it made the record skip ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, so, because Basil's just laying there feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, like, hey! yeah. And then, yeah. So the record skips ahead. They, they were stuck in a loop. But then, yeah, then just by getting angry at Basil sets the record in motion further. And so he's like, oh, why don't we activate it now? It, it springs that switch, that flips that switch in Basil's head. Uh, that the, some, some of the coke that was just sort of laying dormant. In his, he, he, <laughs> in his he, he, does, he does some complicated math in his head. Yeah. He starts Adjust to- for wind trajectory. Yeah. Yeah, the you know the average of a, two sides of an isosceles triangle kind of nonsense. Uh, 
and so that he he spring the trap. So the barbarian comes down. He says, "When I tell you to uh, activate the mouse trap, we need to activate it as I say it." So and it is a the ball bearing comes down. He says, "Go." The mouse trap comes up, smashes the ball bearing, so it gives them an opportunity to get out of there. Um, to so the axe can come down in between the two of them. Cut the trap in <laughs> cut, half. Cut the trap in half. The anvil comes down. The gun shoots to break the bottle, <laughs> and then the coup de gras of the whole thing. They pose for the photo. Yeah, uh, it's like smile, and then the photo. I. That gave me a genuine laugh. Yeah, that's that, funny. I, I was like, "This is a good, that is a good scene." That whole situation that grabbed them, grabbed them both for a group hug, and then like smile for the picture. It's like the Which first part of the movie where you see, "Oh, Basil's kind of a human now." Or, well, he's you know, yeah, human. I would have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have liked to. Have, I would have loved for him to give that picture to that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah yeah, and I, th- I wanted some more out of Basil and Olivia's relationship, but I it just you know, yeah, that's but, that was about as close as we got. Yeah, so um, this is where you get the whole that now now you have the plot breaking out. Yeah, um, like the actual plot's taking place now. Um, they're at Buckingham Palace. They bring the present into the Queen as the guys are disguised as her guards. Um, queen dumb as a stick doesn't recognize that this isn't a uh, mouse in one of, it's a it's a bat it is a crippled bat in a royal guard outfit but yeah whatever <laughs> she says she goes she, she picks up her eyeglass and goes have you been with us long yeah. like no he's a bat yeah, you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't have hired a bat you you, you all know who radigan is like yeah. everyone's fully aware of who radigan is you, and if you knew that you would know that Fidget is his right hand man. Um, but uh, no. no. Uh, like, no, no way. No way at all that she figured that out. Oh, we didn't talk about the scene where Radigan uh, tries to kill Fidget because he failed him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He tries to threaten, he tries to feed him to his cat. Yeah, well, doesn't try to. That he cat, does. That cat eats it, but then, like, you know. Then he realizes the use he can have for uh, Fidget. So, <laughs> uh, we should also mention like they kidnapped Olivia to get her to pressure her father into continuing his work because he was like, yeah. I don't care what you do to me. I'm not going to do this. And then they're like, Well, we have your daughter. And that's kind of. Yeah. So you have to finish it. You just, he need motivation. Yeah. So here's your motivation. So that's. So yeah. So they unveil the uh, uh, mouse, the queen robot that has a voice modulator that you talk into and it lets you sound like the queen kind of <laughs> a voice <laughs> modulator. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so the whole, the whole plan unravels of or unfolds of here's the queen out there. Uh, yep. The, our janky robotic queen. Yeah. Who's again, it's very clearly not her voice. Uh, Somehow it's it's a microphone that they're talking into, but it's, it comes out it, it kind of broken robot-y. Which yeah, is, <laughs> but it's it, it sounds like the queen. Yeah. But, like, uh, hello, but, this like, is Mr. McAllister, the father. Yeah. <laughs> it's got talk away in it, JJ. It does. It does. Um, so it's, it's funny to uh, see this thing unfold. So she like, okay, so I'm giving all of this power to, you know, my defense secretary or whatever. 
Radigan. Uh, yeah. And the crowd. Emissary or whatever. Yeah, yeah, the crowd goes hostile. <laughs> Radigan comes out with all these, like, metals just made for himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just, just all kinds of flair. Uh, so he's got they're probably all just pins that he got from Mouse Disneyland uh, so <laughs> um, yeah so he's doing his whole thing and finally uh, the queen starts talking sensibly like it's like actually no this isn't <laughs> this isn't what's happening you know he's not my he doesn't have any power none of it and you put cut backstage and um Basil and crew have taken the people that were controlling the robot and got them held hostage now. And Basil is controlling the robot talking. And then that's when all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Just fights, 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 fights. We get Toby chasing uh, the end of the cat. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's the cat's name? I forget the cat's Felicia. I think so. Yeah. Felicia is like yeah. Felicia Hardy. The, yeah. <laughs> the black cat. Uh, yep. uh, but she's white in this. So it's, uh, yes. So this is the gruesome death. That's like, oh, that's a dead cat. So uh, the cat thinks it got away from Toby at the end. It's on a wall. Jumps taunting down, him. Taunting him. Jumps down from the wall. The camera slowly pans down to a sign that says like royal dog guards <laughs> as the cat just starts howling essentially yeah. in agony uh, so uh, yeah it was killed by a pack of highly trained dogs <laughs> murder yeah. dogs uh, so they don't leave the cat doesn't come back it's like a Tom and Jerry situation yeah. where the cat is really messed up nope oh yeah it's not oh. like yeah it's not it's, yeah it's not like a Looney Tunes thing where it's like you know Daffy was shot in the face, but it's just black soot. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's no that there's there's no surviving that 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 is a dead cat, uh, yes. never to be seen again. <laughs> a, a cat crashed into the Sea Japan, spun in. There were no survivors. <laughs> um, so he uh, escapes on his dirigible. <laughs> yeah, and so they uh, Basil and crew make their own weird balloon thing using a union jack and some balloons and some um a matchbox and stuff so yeah pretty quick well i mean they do have just, they do have lancashire with them so yeah it's just yeah it's a real macgyver situation yeah. going on here um where just they, so you get the hell britannia yeah yeah just any they needed a way this is like the first time where like the Union Jack really appears in it to really hammer home the fact. Oh yeah, that's right. That's where we're at. <laughs> um, so this is where you get the uh, scenic tour of London. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? like they're flying over every sort of key <laughs> visual of, of of England. So it would have uh, been kind of a the uh, we'll kind of interesting to see like a Peter Pan Easter egg here. Yeah, like to see him like. Yeah, just you, like you could have seen some pixie dust off in the corner or something. Yeah, yeah like have him fly, like have his silhouette go across the moon. Yeah, have some, and, or just like, but make it very clear that that's the darling household or something. Yeah, there or something. But um, 
So yeah, during the whole chase and everything, it ends up leading to them crashing into Big Ben. This is where we get some CG. This is yeah, this is CG. All of these they crash into there, and all of these uh, gears that they're surrounded by are uh, moving, and all of these gears are uh, computer generated. Uh, yeah, the first major use of computer generation. Uh, you know, like we said last week, the cauldron was CG, but that was made after this stuff was being done. Um, so the thing about this is, there's two fun stories about this. Uh, in order to do this, they got Disney actually got some the privilege to actually go into Big Ben oh, and wow. see and see some of that stuff. It's not something you usually get to do. Uh, but the, they, they were only able to be there for about an hour because the bells go off. And <laughs> <laughs> like you, like be here at twelve, be gone yeah. at twelve fifty nine. This. The, the gears and all of that um, is an homage to one of my favorite animated films of all time, uh, the the Castle of Cagliostro. Okay. Um, Hayao Miyazaki's first film. Anyone who knows that is that's uh, Studio Ghibli, um, Princess Mononoke, My Neighbor Totoro, Spirited Away, Nausicaa, all of that. Like this first film was a loop on the third movie called uh, The Castle of Cagliostro. And the like climax of that movie involves them fighting and you know off top these gears. And if you see that scene next to this one, <laughs> they're almost identical. Yeah. Um, okay. It's, I should that out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and it's it's it is an homage to that. It's very interesting to see that. Like that movie came out before this one. Obviously, that's how you can homage it. But. Um, it's very interesting to see, like, at, at this point in history, very few people would have seen Like, that movie probably, I don't think that movie came out stateside in theaters at all until, like, the early 2000s, so. You'd have to seek it out to know that. Yeah, you had, to, you, had to, you had to have known that. You get, got the VHS of it from Japan or something. You would have had to have seen it some other way. Because, uh, yeah, it never got a major theatrical release here, so. And at the time, I think, uh, what, Tot- Totoro would have been out by now which is uh, Miyazaki's sort of like real, like now he's doing Disney, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that, that was, that, that was exciting to see. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie and I saw that scene. I was like, is, is that, is that Lupin? <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I, so immediately I have to check it out. And I was like, yeah, no, it's well recognized, which also makes some of the other scenes in this potentially, like, like some of the like, because Lupin is known for his costumes, just like you know some of the other stuff. And so like the sailor stuff and things like that. It's like, mm, like there's a the potential of that being homage too. But, yeah, yeah, I, I, but, yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of want to see see that out now. Oh yeah, it's one of my absolute favorite animated films. Highly um, recommend it. It's can't not nah, there'll be the uh, <laughs> Miyazaki Compendium Volume. <laughs> Volume one. That's I. I don't know that I would be your host for that one. <laughs> I have are, to do a lot of. Uh... You have to. Well, it's not like he's got a ton of movies. No, can, I know. Be easy, and they're all good. You'd enjoy it. <laughs> I, I will tell you that my nerdy thing of the scene, like I immediately heard the Dracula's Curse music <laughs> when I saw this clock. Oh no. <laughs> Those Medusa heads, those friggin' bats. 
exactly. Um, so yeah, there. This is yeah. We're at the we're at the end game uh, now. Uh, they're having the big fight. Radigan gets his cape stuck in gears. And yeah. Some of the, some of his clockwork stuff. And so you uh, think, oh, that's how he goes. Nah. No, not yet. <laughs> um, like it wouldn't be until years later where you where you get with the Incredibles where it's like no capes. Uh, yeah. Uh, or I guess the Watchmen as well. So. Yeah. He got his cape stuck in the revolving door and the gun to bed. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. So he gets cut, caught in some gears and just gets uh, chest gets torn to shreds. <laughs> his clothes get destroyed. And, and now he looks like a big disgusting looks, rat. Yeah, now he looks rat-like. He he, it, it kind of makes him a little more slender in appearance. He's got his claws out now, and uh, he is. Like really messing up Basil. (laughs) He is not holding. Like he is cutting him and slicing at him and just really getting to it into him. Um, The uh, the uh, clock strikes ten. And he he thinks he throws Basil off of the off of Big Ben. Yeah, yeah. what what happens next? It was he he uh, he falls and then, he falls to the to the rescue rangers balloon. Yeah, <laughs> he goes back up. Yeah, then the uh, and then he like breaks off like the propeller of the balloon. Oh yeah, and then they both tumble to their both supposed tumbled death. to their death. So Radigan which, falls, which is kind of like an homage to uh, Holmes and uh, uh, Moriarty at. Uh, Reckonbach falls? They both die? Is that the one? Yes. Okay. Um, I believe so. Don't hold me to that either, people. But uh, I, I'm terrible remembering. I remember. Oh, I remember. I know. I remember exactly that. What the titles of any of these things are always. <laughs> but I but, think. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah. I think it's Reckonbach yeah. falls. Yeah, but uh, but he's able to pedal himself back up, uh, Basil, using the propeller from the dirigible, to. Uh, you know, yay, he survived, and everyone's cheering. And then uh, then you get the, like, oh, you know, back at Baker Street, and it's, they're, 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 they're looking, thinking about their adventures, they're looking at the newspaper clippings, of, like, yeah. the hero, <laughs> hero detective saves the day, saves the monarchy, <laughs> essentially. He gets uh, uh, knighted. Yeah. And then it's, you know, well, all right, then. Guess I better get going. Like to where? Uh, to his family, he's neglected. Maybe. He's neglected this whole time. Uh, yeah, it's like oh, I guess I gotta. I'll go. Gotta go find somewhere to live. <laughs> Basil, uh, incapable of saying, well, "Why don't you stay with me?" Uh, he's just like, "All right, man, see ya." <laughs> see ya. Uh, then uh, a new client appears. And it's uh, <laughs> a new challenger approaching. Yeah, a new challenger approaches, setting up the sequel we never get. Uh, <laughs> where she's like, "Oh, I need your help," and Basil's like, "Oh, yeah, well, you you got me and my trusted associate Dawson, who I do all of my cases with." Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now it's Holmes and Watson, happily ever after. Um, Basil lying through his teeth, or he's actually never worked a case before. 
I, I'm going to go with both the latter. Potential. Both are very potential. Uh, so he could be telling the truth and that uh, him solving the... Uh, well, I mean, I guess technically, I mean, if he's been following uh, Radigan all this time, that's probably the only thing he's ever focused on. So Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. like, well, I got to focus my, my energy somewhere else now. Yeah. So here we go. Now they're just detectives and... I'm assuming if a sequel happened, Radigan didn't die. It's going to be like Moriarty or something where it's just like... <laughs> like he fell off Big Ben and he's a rat. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, uh, did he did he reach terminal velocity? I don't know. <laughs> he comes back, but like he, he yeah. has some of the gears and he, he rebuilds himself. He rebuilds himself with... Uh, with Fidget uh, saves him and rebuilds him using some gears. Well, he uh, throws Fidget off a dirigible. <laughs> but Fidget and, dies. Yeah, but like, it's like, I, like I can't fly as he spirals to the ground. You're a bat. <laughs> He's got a crippled wing, so. But still, yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't really see his. You don't really see his death, but yeah. No. Uh, you see so, the poosh, the water. So yeah, that's uh. That's a great mass detective. Yeah, it's, it's uh, very it's simple. Good. It's a very simple story, but it's a very effective story, and uh, very well made. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the mo- Disney needed this. Um, the audience needed this. Audience needed this. Uh, the Black Cauldron was such a failure that. Uh, they 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 cut the budget in half. It was originally had a twenty four million dollar budget, ended up having a you know twelve million dollar budget at the end of the day, um, and they and the release date was moved up to nineteen eighty six. So it was supposed to be like Christmas of eighty seven, but they changed it to July of eighty six. Like we need so a hit budget, now. So the budget was cut in half, and they moved the movie up you know, a year and a half. Uh, so, you know, no pressure. So, um, based on all that, this movie should have failed. This movie should have been an absolute disaster. Um, the year before Young Sherlock Holmes came out and was an absolute disaster. Um, and that movie was directed by Spielberg. Yeah. Um, so you so, think, it's a surefire hit, right? No. No. Um, so, it, it's just one of those things. And this movie, uh, this movie was like, they talked about making this movie during the rescuers time. Um, so, you know, this movie dates back to around the rescuers in terms of like being on the radar, but obviously it didn't happen because they just did the rescuers and it would have been basically the same movie. It's like, we're speaking way. a mouse, mouse adventure movie, mouse based adventure set in a foreign land. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you know, there was a couple of like, uh, you know, pitch it to Ron Miller, uh, do a little, do some little like shorts to pitch it and whatever. Um, but Black Cauldron was falling apart <laughs> to see, and then it failed. So it was like, uh oh. <laughs> so yeah, you had to have um, something, anything to save it. Because if this movie failed, as we said at the beginning of this episode, and the studio would have been done. The animation studio would have been done. They've been having so many successes with live action stuff. Um, Eisner was <laughs> he was in the the decade of Disney mode 
where they were going to start building theme parks all around the world and fixing up everything, you know, this. So uh, his attention was diverted. Yeah. So the anime, and he wasn't particularly interested in the cartoons department. He had Roy who was in charge of that. And Katzenberg who was Katzenberg, you know, especially after the black cauldron stuff, kind of, kind of hard to work with, with for the, the animators didn't like him, obviously. Because they weren't cartoonists. These people weren't cartoonists, and they didn't grow up as cartoonists. You know, know, Eisner is just a studio CEO paramount. They weren't even fans of the medium. Yeah, you know, Eisner Eisner came from Paramount. And Eisner's sort of philosophy was, you know, cheap movies that, you know, like, and and lots of them kind of situation. So, um and he had a lot of big hits and would continue to have big hits. Even under, even at Disney, he would continue to have big hits, whether it be TV or film or, you know, not theme parks, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, he was he was a decent enough, a studio CEO. Like, he, he didn't, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't an idiot, but at the same time, he also didn't understand the Disney culture, which, you know, at a time when, you know, in a couple of years from now, when the studio is doing the best it's ever been doing, uh, th- you know, the other arm of that is the theme park stuff, and they're doing the worst they've ever been doing. <laughs> so, and that's that's where his attention is. And that's where his attention is, but not at the theme parks, but at his theme park, you know, yeah. Euro Disney and, you know, Tokyo Disney and things like that. But, you know, Euro Disney was his big pet project, and, you know. And, you know, in the 80s, Epcot is getting ready to open up and stuff. So, um, and all of it's, all of these are big failures because he's a, he doesn't, they don't have that bone in their body and don't understand it in the slightest. Just like with the cartoons. They don't really understand the cartoon side of it. Um, and it shows. And a thing that shows uh, with this was um, when young Sherlock Holmes failed. Uh, that's when they renamed the movie um, from Basil of Baker Street to Great Mouse Detective. And his reasoning was Basil is too English. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Sherlock that, Holmes is from England. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the fun thing that goes with this is that an inter-office memo went around <laughs> um, <laughs> that was making fun of the whole thing. Um, and it it started giving the rest of Disney movies Eisner style titles, uh, which include Seven Little Men Help a Girl, <laughs> the Wonder Ele- the Wonderful Elephant Who Could Really Fly, The Little Deer Who Grew Up, The Girl with the See Through Shoes, Two Dogs Fall in Love, Puppies Taken Away, A Boy, a Bear, and a Big Black Cat. And actually, they kept Aristocats the same. <laughs> Good joke. Uh, I liked a boy and bear and a big black cat. Yeah. Um, I would watch that show. And those titles were um, uh, would later become a category on Jeopardy. So, huh. you, so, those questions, so those would be the questions you would name the movie based off of that um, thing. So... Uh, uh, they were not amused because that memo got out to the press. <laughs> and so uh, a lot of people think that's where 
on top of the black cauldron failing, that's also why they moved the movie up ahead and stuff as sort of punishment. <laughs> trying, right. yeah, trying to get this film to sort of fail essentially. Um, so, you know, it, it didn't. didn't uh, yeah, it, did, it didn't. So it didn't at all. Um, I read somewhere that uh, Basil, when they first started designing the character, his original character design was going to be um, basically Bing Crosby. <laughs> really? Uh, okay. Which would have been, yeah, you think that. And it's like, I guess it ended up basing him on Leslie Howard, who you probably know best from Gone with the Wind. He was Ashley in Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that's who he was based off of. Yeah, because um, they, they didn't base him off like his look off of uh, uh, Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone, Rathbone now. Yeah, because um, he had like a little. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So, um, so yeah. The, originally, the originally the Big Ben fight was just going to take place outside of Big Ben, but the animator was like, "Wouldn't it be cool?" Or the layout artist was like, "Wouldn't it be cool if they went inside of Big Ben?" <laughs> and then that's when you get like tours and it's like that is a good idea actually so that's when you get like tours of the big band and the CG and it was, idea it, yeah. yeah it was it, it's it a really cool scene becomes a very striking scene but, you know uh, it's probably the most memorable scene from the movie yeah I would say so um, yeah um, it's very cool and like I said you know, just straight rip off of another movie but it, with the best of intentions it was designed to just steal from the movie it was designed to be like you know, when Disney takes something that's yours as sort of an homage to you, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, at, at this point in history, they aren't trying to be evil corporate entity Disney that you sort of see them as now, where it's like, no, this is ours. <laughs> They're not trying to claim it as theirs. It's just like everything. What What is it? Like mental real estate uh, is sort of Disney's thing. Like they don't own mermaids but like if you hear the name if you hear mermaid you think of ariel right you know they don't they don't own a lot of the stuff that they have but you know you hear certain things and they they, they have the mental real estate for you um, so and this is you know it's the same sort of thing like at, you know with this it's like that gear scene is now <laughs> it's, it's, i mean it, I, I wonder if they use it as an excuse to kind of like to test out some, like, what can we do with CG? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they recreated the scene really well. Um, yeah, it's 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 really, like, and, and the thing is, like, you think, like, oh, like, 1986 CG is going to look kind of like, rough. Like, no, yeah, it actually it's, looks really good. Yeah, it's it, when we say CG, if you've never seen the movie, which you absolutely should, um, we're not talking about, like, Tron, no. where it's, like, these weird three-dimensional gears that are uh, like moving in a space that they've just sort of superimposed the characters onto or whatever. It, it's they basically what they do is each one of the gears was created with a wireframe and on a computer that they print out and then they paint over them appropriately. Um, so they're computer generated in that sense. They made they created all of the gears using a computer. Right. It's it's, it's not, like yeah. It's a CG like like you know everybody knows what the CG is in Beauty and the Beast. It looks yeah. like that. It looks yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, it's the first real attempt at trying to be f- more efficient with animation. Right. Um, not trying to do Toy Story, but trying to make cartoons that look two-dimensional, you know, do it faster and more efficiently. 
And, you know, this is like the real first test of that. And it was, you know, pulled, they pulled it off. Um, so, because it's, it's a very striking scene. And, you know, it would have been probably a bear to have animated that by hand, like they did in the Castle of Cagliostro. Because <laughs> that was, I think Castle of Cagliostro was, I have to look it up, I think it was the late 70s. Um, Castle of Cagliostro, 1979. So, yeah. Um, uh, speaking of that, uh, the creator of Castle of Cagliostro, of Lupin the Third, recently passed away of uh, Monkey Punch. So, it's very, ties in nicely in a way. Talk about it now. But, yeah, 1979. So, you know, they had to do it by hand then. So. <laughs> But, but that's but also means like the Disney uh, animators. They they'd probably like if you're chances are if you're an animator, you're probably also a fan of animation. Yeah. And so like yeah. So uh, <laughs> a couple of interesting uh, factoids to go with the music of this movie. Um. Uh. It's uh, uh, the debut of uh, Henry Mancini for Disney. <laughs> okay. Which is kind of interesting. Um, like, you know, did Pink Panther and stuff, but <laughs> this is like his real. Yeah. But at one point, uh, Eisner was thinking about casting Michael Jackson in this movie. I... Just, just to be one of the characters in the tavern. Uh, who would confront uh, Basil, sing a song, <laughs> and that would be like the extent of the character. Like, did they start discussions with him before that, or they would have already been for talking to him at for this Captain point? Yo. For yeah, because yeah, he was already a Disney fan, and they would have been talking with him at this point. This would be eighty-five, I think. Captain yeah. EO, Captain EO might uh, Captain EO already open. 86, I think? 87? 86? Yeah, so kept, yeah, Captain Yo's halfway there. <laughs> so. So, so they already have the sketches going on with him. So they could have perhaps pulled it off if they wanted to. Yeah, and they also wanted Madonna at one point to perform a song in this movie. I, Again, I'm going to guess as the burlesque mouse. Yeah. You know, it's one of those... And, and let me say, let's see. Eisner later proposed for Madonna to perform a song. Eventually, Melissa Manchester was brought in where she wrote and performed Let Me Be Good to You. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. Um, she wrote which one in Breathless Mahoney. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah. Uh, that would have been weird. It is, 19, again, 1985. <laughs> so, uh, it would have been perfectly in place yeah. I for mean, that to have happened at this I, time. Right? I, I, I guess, but like the pop the sound of Michael Jackson and Madonna in a movie set in Victorian England. Don't know that it would. Mesh uh, maybe, well. I mean, maybe Madonna. She does talk with that British accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Born in Detroit, yeah. but does she find a British accent somewhere along the way? Yeah. Um, the short that played with this movie was Clock Cleaners, which is uh, a personal favorite of mine. Uh, Disney it's, it's, uh, Mickey Mouse cartoon. Is is that on the Blu-ray? Is it extra? No, no. Okay, it's just, just I don't think only the big movies tend to get that uh, 
get that kind of treatment. <laughs> so, but because, uh, like, yeah, yeah, it's on Blu-ray, but it's like uh, uh, JJ and I both bought it recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was I texted Nick the other day where I was uh, uh, at I was at the mall because I had gone to my cabinet and I was like, okay, time to watch Great Mouse Detective. Like, I don't. Own great mouse detective. JJ and I both went to an FYE. Yeah, we both got <laughs> great mouse detective. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it uh, it's one of it, those early ones where it's just the Blu-ray and the DVD. And it's got like yeah. special features, and one of them is a sing-along. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it, it, it's like it's it is it's not the digital busy movie reward. It's the magical code. Yeah, it's uh, the uh, mystery in the mist edition. Which oh, that's the version you have. Yeah, yeah, the mystery in the mist edition. That's all, <laughs> yeah. That was a DVD version, but I, I just okay. Yours is mystery <laughs> in the mist. Yeah, we, yeah. But so yeah, it's uh, it's nice. Oh, it's, it's a good. It, it's oh. it's mystery in the mist version because uh, some stuff was taken out and re-added. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like like the title card and something else. Yeah, yeah. I also I also bought the black hole. Uh, when I bought this too, so another I, great movie. I've also watched the Black Hole, and I kind of just want to sit there like, we should do a Black Hole episode. Just talk about old Bob. <laughs> that's, that's the Black Hole rules, and you should also watch the Black Hole. You should watch this, like me. You should watch this and the Black Hole, preferably in the same weekend, because why not? Uh, also, I mean, hey, there's a lot of Black Hole buzz going on right now. So. Yeah, we just yeah. I mean, Black Black Holes are so in right now. Uh, so why not watch the movie that that proved that didn't get an ounce of what a black hole is, right? But it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it's cl- it's so closer than Event Horizon. <laughs> um, don't watch that movie. Don't no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, watch it, but watch it once if you haven't. Pre- yeah, prep yourself. <laughs> yeah, prep yourself be prepared. Be prepared for Event Horizon. Um. Uh, when this movie came out, big success. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was it was a great little movie. Um, it got critically like Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up. Siskel himself gave it um, three and a half stars. Uh, really applauded um, uh, the animation of it. He says like Disney stuffs at its best when like you know when they're using facial features and stuff to act. Um, he says uh, his exact words were uh, the great mass detective looks more fully animated than anything in some 30 years which is, which is a damning indictment of Disney yeah <laughs> but um, it's it says like some reviews like this one uh, uh, said uh, this movie is uh, cute 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 it's a higher grade cute than the rescuers and the fox and the hound <laughs> So, so this movie is so kawaii. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, massive success uh, on a budget of twelve to fourteen million dollars, depending on what you're looking at. Um, a movie ob- that, yeah, good. Uh, so it's overall gross is fifty million, so wow. around like worldwide. So a, a movie success. that is that pretty much kind of. 
saved Disney as we know it, and it gets it's, it's overlooked. Yeah, it's it's not even kind of. This movie absolutely saved the animation studio one hundred percent. Its success may let them let the people in charge realize that there is still value to this division. Um, uh, the movie was renamed at a point. Uh, the Adventures when they of the Great Mouse Detective? Yeah, when they re-released it in the 90s, it came out as The Adventures of the Great Mouse Detective for some reason. <laughs> so, was that like a, a rights thing? or I doubt it, because they didn't really change. It's still The Great Mouse Detective. It's huh. not like the books were named The Great Mouse Detective. They're called the ba- Basil of Baker Street. So I wonder why so, they did that. Because it's Michael Eisner. I'm sure it was his fault. Adventure! Yeah, I mean, yeah. Listen, so here's... Uh, you know how Splash Mountain got its name? Uh, because there's water? <laughs> no. They originally were going to call it, uh, what was it? Uh, Zippity Doodah Falls. Was like no, the, thank you. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's a better, in the sense, though, the reason it's called Splash is because Michael Eisner said, hey, we have this movie called Splash coming out. You should try to uh, brand it with that and maybe include a Daryl Hannah animatronic in there. Uh, what? And, and what? They were like, and they were like, no, okay, we'll call it Splash Mountain, but we're absolutely not including. <laughs> so what a Splash boop! Mountain. So Splash Mountain was named after a failed mermaid movie in the eighties. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I like to name Splash Mountain better than Zippity Doodah Falls because it just sounds but, like a, I don't but, know. I know, but Zippity Doodah Falls also sounds very Disney. You know, yeah. it's like, I mean, you know, it's, yeah. But, you know, it, at the same time, it, that that's ride is named after a terrible mermaid movie that, that and and not the animated one, the live action terrible. God. <laughs> could what you are... imagine, could you imagine how much, how long would that animatronic have stayed in that ride? <laughs> oh my God. So you, because you, we're going to be going on Splash Mountain here in a few weeks. It was yeah. like, this is this this is janky rundown Daryl Hannah animatronic, like ah! singing zippity doodah, just chilling. Yeah, I wonder where it would have been in the ride. It would have had to have been like during the big finale or something. <laughs> just you're just disappointed every time. You, oh right. Uh, yeah. I wish the I wish the fox did eat instead. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing where Bear Bear's just like. <laughs> But it's just Daryl. <laughs> just hanging upside down. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Now, now I've turned around on it. Now that's yeah. how it... <laughs> you turned a corner. Just making... yeah. same voice, yeah. but just, just still Daryl. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So yeah. That. So you know. It, that's probably how the movie gets renamed to the Adventures of the Great Mouse Detective. I, I'm trying to think of what would have been out in 1982 that had adventures in the title that made Michael Eisner say, like, yeah. So. We didn't even have adventures of Ford Fairlane. Yeah. <laughs> so. Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> the adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the Great Master. <laughs> uh, so, Eisner yeah, seems like a guy who just like put buzzwords in front of things and yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. it's he, this is the guy who built a theme park in paris 
without telling the Parisian people that that's what his plan was. Like, <laughs> so surprise, surprise, surprise! You have a theme park. Oh, you don't want to go there? How could I have ever guessed? How was I supposed to know you didn't want to go to our theme park? <laughs> so you should have yeah. told me. You should have told me you didn't want a theme park. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's like the. Uh, they were going to build a theme park in the Midwest or whatever, like Disney's America that was going to be like American history themed where it's like, mm. yeah, and it was going to be one of those like, you know, oh, here you can see the signing of the Declaration of Independence. and like, here's some Benjamin Franklin stuff. Here's some Civil War barracks. And you're like, mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I so don't know be, if I can, yeah. Disney's America. <laughs> Yeah, as 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 people as that became a thing, everyone's like nobody trusts Disney enough. Of this this iteration of Disney <laughs> to do to, to to handle American history, they would have trusted Walt because they at least know what they're getting with Walt. Yeah. Uh, but they don't trust Michael Eisner as far as they could throw him. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, he made some bad the decisions. Adventures of Jefferson Davis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it would never have, yeah, it never would have worked. It never, ever would have worked. But um, the, uh, in terms of legacy, no video game, uh, there were costume characters. The funny thing about the costume characters at the theme park uh, was, again, they were being punished for that memo. So there was kind of, they cut their, like, um, promotion budget behind, like, like in half or whatever. So uh, Roy paid his own money to get costumes made for the theme parks. Wow. So the theme parks had Basil and Radigan. Um, just, that's just a whole level of petty. Like this movie did well or, or it's doing well. Yeah. Like, but like, like, well, you know, it, it was just, yeah, it, it's Vince McMahon levels of petty. Uh, so. Uh, so Basil asked for his release and they wouldn't give it to him. Yeah. So now he's, just, he's just milling about backstage while, yeah, just you know, get using his using his employee discount, just sort of yeah. milking the time clock. But he's just Basil just gonna like, oh, he'll pop up in some house shows, but yeah, I'm not gonna. I'll do some I'll do some NXT stuff, but it's, yeah. I'm not touring. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to Florida. Like yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to Euro Disney. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not doing the European tour. So just get that out of your mind right now. Doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> So, so yeah, so yeah, not not like no legacy. This movie has no legacy other than the biggest legacy of all, where you saved the company. Yeah, which <laughs> is know. enough. Enough. Um, the movie doesn't get the credit it deserves by you know by from no. Disney itself. But uh, anyone who knows anything about the history of the studio, anyone within the studio understands the importance of the Great Mouse Detective, even if. It's you know it's it's far from their greatest showing, but it was exactly what the studio needed at the time, um, and it would also have serve a detriment in a way where it boldened it emboldened Michael Eisner's thoughts of you know less money in faster time. <laughs> so production you know, line. List. So so yeah. So you're you're not going to get the big big budgets ever again uh, like Black Cauldron did that was had a huge budget and was a massive failure whereas this one had a meager budget and you bumped up the release date by a year and it was 
it's not wasn't a massive success, but it was a very big success, a big enough noticeable success based off of its fourteen million dollar budget. It made fifty million dollars around the world. That's you know, that's that's a that's a fairly moderate success. Yeah. Right. Um, so, did did it have it? It didn't have a half meal tie in. I I researched the heck out of it. I don't think it did. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, not, not a whole lot of like. Again, they they out of this out of a bit of pettiness they slashed the promotion budget right. like su- substantially like Roy had to pay to get costumes made out of his own money yeah. so there was no promotion there was no you know I think there was something or there was going to be a McDonald's something but it maybe did. ornaments yeah there was something but like it never panned out or something so um, I because the thing is, like you talk about how the promotion was kind of meager. I, I, you know, I was about six, and I would be the demographic for this movie, and I don't remember seeing a lot of commercials for it. Yeah. To the point so, where I didn't beg my parents to take me to it because, like, I, you know, I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're, you know, how would you, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Let's see. There's something. Let's see. I'm sorry to just drag it on to something that I, I, just, I there was something that I saw recently that said about the costumes and I'm trying to find it again. So bear with me, people. We're just going to vamp for a little bit while I type around on our computer and uh, talk about <laughs> not a great mouse detective. But, um, yeah. Well, this came out uh, around the same time as uh, Mary Tale, right? Yes, yes, yeah. very much so. Um, so it's like yeah, that mice, that mouse thing. It, it would come. It would. Uh, Great American Tale would come out. I think four or five months later, or something. Yeah. So it's like so, and it made more money. So maybe that led to the. You know, there was a little bit more of like it made a, you made some good money. However, uh, not five money. <laughs> not that five money. So. Yeah, and even like while you do that, like it's the version of the the Blu-ray JJ and I have. Yeah, it's pretty bare bones. Yeah, like it's like the it's like the very bare minimum of like special features. Yeah, and so uh, I feel like at some point, who knows with Disney Plus coming that if they'll even uh, make it a even more special edition of it, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking, but with Disney Plus coming out, what happens with special features? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the cool thing, like, you know, yeah, the Criterion uh, streaming service actually features special features from the movies. Um, so. Some some films, uh, like, I, I know some films I purchase on uh, with, uh, actually, yeah, it was a Disney film. Uh, what was it? Oh, Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, I purchased that, and you know, you, you, you redeemed your your digital code of movies anywhere. Those yeah. features are still in there. You can yeah, they, look, they, they give you that. Yeah, the digital stuff yeah. on Voodoo tends to you get most of them. Sometimes you even get the commentary track, which is yeah, it's kind of nice. Where it's just like a separate version of the uh, uh, situations. There's the of the digital version, so it's so, kind of so there's a way to do it. Yeah, just a matter if Disney would do it because I mean, like look at like the WWE network where it's like, you know, get like there's, there's been special stuff that just, you know, 
you lose all of that stuff. You lose all the behind the scenes stuff that sometimes came with some of these things. So, but it, it is what it, it, it is what it is. Uh, hopefully, hopefully people find it on there. Hopefully Disney, hopefully it does some sort of curation process. Like, you know, promote some of the older things to have people watch them so they can maybe get a second life. I think this movie yeah. could benefit from saying like, you know, the movie that saved this, the movie that spurned the Disney Renaissance or something, you know, something like that. So, uh, I mean, it, and also if you don't want to wait for Disney plus and you, you want to watch it now, it's like JJ and I literally picked it up yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I picked it up at FYA for $15. Yeah. For so, today. And that's how much it yeah. costs. Yeah, there were two. Co- there, there were two copies there. One of them had a price tag of nineteen ninety nine. One of them had a price tag of fourteen ninety nine, and it was the exact same movie. So I grabbed the one that said fourteen ninety nine. Uh, I think you can walk into a, yeah, like right. You can get it off of Best Buy's website. It's yeah. ten bucks. It's sold for ten bucks there. So yeah, so it's. And it, you know, it's it's cheap. Yeah, I'm sure you can go into half price books and have a good chance of finding it. So, and I mean, you could probably even get the just a regular DVD copy, even cheaper. And if you want to go that route, it's probably fine too. So, you ready to? Yeah, let's. You ready, you ready to rank it, Nick? Yes. All right. I couldn't find the factoid that I read somewhere that was about the um the. Uh, promotional budgets that they had. <laughs> JJ just texted me the costumes were all made of human hair. <laughs> Disturbing, but fascinating. Well, I mean, you, you work with, you, you take what you can work with, and there were a lot of cats at <laughs> Disneyland. So. Oh. Okay. Uh, better or worse than Robin Hood, Nick? It, it's not as good as Robin Hood, no. But Jungle Book. It's worse than Jungle Book. Sword in the Stone? It's worse than Sword in the Stone. The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh? Worse than Winnie the Pooh. Dumbo? Uh, it's worse than Dumbo. Fantasia? Worse than Fantasia. The Black Cauldron? It is better than The Black Cauldron. Better than The Black Cauldron. You have a new contender in the top ten. If my stupid computer... There we go. And I... I, I I'm okay with it being there because I actually really enjoyed it. Have you seen it before? Um, I think I had, but I not enough where I remembered specific plot points until I watched. I'm like, oh right, <laughs> that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a movie that I a lot of people haven't seen. Um, it's 1985, and it's, you know, in a couple of years, you're going to get a massive hit. Uh, a monster hit. <laughs> Yeah, a monster hit that's going to spawn multiple more monster hits. Uh, so <laughs> we, are, we are slowly, slowly inching toward the Silver Age. With uh, the official terminology for the age, we are just, we are officially entering technically next week, but really the week after is the Disney Renaissance. Um, see, sort of, it's the, yeah, it's the Silver Age, it's the Disney Renaissance. Based um, based on that, you could tell what we're talking about. Like, yeah, think about this movie '86. If you know your Disney at all, yeah. you know what we're about to come up on. <laughs> yep. 
Let's see. Jungle Book. Don't like it as much as that. Fantasia. Ooh, Cinderella. Snow White. Robin Hood. Yeah. Mine, I'm going to put above the Black Cauldron on mine as yeah. well. So. Da, 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 da. I always for, I always forget what I want to call it in my little list. Because <laughs> like, some some of them are shorthand. Some of them are the full Just titles. Mouse detective. Yeah. Um. So let's see. For you, it is your one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Top seven. We're in All 26 right, movies, and it's your top seven. I'm okay with that. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, damn it. <laughs> My mouse. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Top eight for me. Are you so, cool with that? Oh, yeah. I knew full well that it was going to, by this stage, was going to be in my top ten. I was, mm-hmm. In the in the pre-Renaissance era, I knew it was going to be a top ten movie because I've always really enjoyed this movie. Um, um, it's probably and, one of the earlier ones that I've seen because it came it, out as when I was a very young child. Yeah. So it, It's going to have, by my estimate, it's going to have maybe a short run in the top ten. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, but it's not going to be. Yeah, it's not going to be for very long. No, no, no. Um, but you know, it, it it's going to be there for a spell. So next week, and I know, <laughs> I know you watched uh, next week's movie already. Yeah, I did. Uh, it's a what year did the next week's movie come out? Do you remember? Nineteen eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. Yeah. Uh no, fall 1988. Uh, <laughs> a weird one for Disney. I still don't fully understand the process, the thought process behind releasing an all animal adaption of Oliver Twist. But here we are, Oliver and Company, next week. JJ and I will talk fondly about ornaments. <laughs> <laughs> there certainly will be things fondly talked about. <laughs> and something's not fully talking about, but, uh, which is where I'm like, great mouse detective might be safer in a little bit. Uh, next week has we're we are entering the era of celebrity voice actors yes. that we recognize. <laughs> uh, but we're also uh, next week we're entering into uh, the Howard Ashman era of uh, yes. music. Yes, right, we are. Um, so, but, uh, this, is like, this is like his dry run. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I well, I don't know if it's because I think it's I think it's Jonathan Redford that was the composer of Oliver Twist. Um, okay. but I want to say, are you telling me Wikipedia was wrong, JJ? Um, I think think he did one song in this yeah so okay. yeah the, the, the dry run because i think he did the new york city song in this okay so but uh, you know hey the soundtrack uh who boy that soundtrack has is a it's it's filled with potential uh <laughs> yeah but uh yeah you you will okay don't want to don't want to start talking about it too much right now. No, so, we we do, but we don't. We do. Uh, once I hit stop on our little recording here, we're going to be talking about it. Yeah. So, so, uh, so next week you get to hear uh, our well thought out, pre thought of <laughs> opinions of Oliver and Company. But uh, until then, 
thank you all again for joining us and have a magical day. Bye.